You're listening to Hashtag No Filter with Zach Peter. That's me, your sassy source for lifestyle advice, wellness tips, and pop culture dish. I'm the reality TV junkie, self-improvement addict, and holistic hustler here to help you get your shit together and laugh through all the chaos of life in your 20s. If you're not doing so already, go and give me a follow at Just Plain Zach for really funny Instagram stories, probably my neighbors, really adorable memes and really cute selfies because I'm just funny and I'm cute and I got it all going on. Today I posted like this really fun TikTok of me impersonating Chris Jenner and it was just it was a vibe. Um, so I'm excited about today's show because if you've been watching me on the Instagram or you've been watching me on the YouTube, then you'll know that I did a really fun synopsis of Tiger King, which is this new tr- true crime Netflix documentary about Joe Exotic and that bitch Carol Baskin and Doc Mantle and all these like wild characters in the big cat world. Well, we're going to be breaking down the documentary. It's seven parts. Um, it's a seven part documentary series on Netflix. If you haven't watched it, go watch it right now because we're going to bring all the spoilers. If you have watched it, then you're going to be super excited because not only are we going to break down what happens in the documentary, but we're going to break down all of the news on everybody since the documentary has come out. And to help me, I need another fellow pop culture junkie, which is why I'm so excited to welcome back on the show, my friend, Miss Sam Davidson. Hello, thank you for having me. I requested to be on, but I'm very excited you said yes. Yes, I'm glad you came on to do this with me because I was like, I need somebody that can actually help me break down all this stuff and you're perfect because you're keeping up with everything that's happening in the Hollywood land. Mm-hmm. Okay, so before we dive into like updates with where everybody's at now, what are your overall thoughts now that you've finished the series? So, um, honestly, like I'm a huge, uh, true crime junkie and I actually, um, over my dead body was the podcast, um, that this was the season two of, I love season one of over my dead body. Didn't like this one as much. The series was definitely intriguing, crazy, something different for these really, um, interesting times. However, I feel like I'm on a different page with everyone that was obsessed with it i liked it but i definitely found some problems with it okay so since you do love true crime i'm somebody that's new to true crime i watched like dirty john i've kind of kept up with some of the other criminal like crime true crime like shows i listened to like the first season of serial but like i can't get into it too much because like it scares the shit out of me so like on a scale of one to ten as someone that really appreciates true crime and not just somebody like me who appreciates trash reality tv what would you give it on a scale of one to ten as a whole on the true crime spectrum um because it's a very it's not it is true crime but it's not it's different um i honestly i'd give it a 6.5 okay and why what were the flaws Um, and what were the good things because there wasn't necessarily a big murder. Like, yeah, there was Carol's husband who we don't know what happened to him, which I know we'll get into. Um, but it was more of like what you like, like, you know, weird reality TV. Um, and with this, it just, it didn't feel as true crime. It was more, it, it didn't know exactly what it was um, at first. And then it kind of like discovers what it is. And at the end of the day, it's like nobody was murdered brutally that we know of. Um, and that's not exactly what the series is about. So that is why it's lower on the true crime spectrum for me. 
Could the argument be made, though, that there was a big, like, criminal cover-up since there were tones of polygamy, there were tones of um, animal, animal abuse, there were potential, like, murder involved with Carol's husband. So it's still, mm-hmm. could it still technically be considered, like, true crime because it had all of those elements to it that are technically illegal? Or is true crime really just we've come to really understand it as, like, murder? Um, You know, I think that it is a broad term and that it totally has an argument because there are definitely a lot of quote unquote crimes that take place. But for the kind of true crime that I like, you know, I'm a single white female, love my like murder mystery kind of thing. And that is the genre that true crime has really turned into like, you know, my favorite murder and, you know, all of those kinds of podcasts. And this isn't something that they would necessarily cover because it is different but maybe a new true crime like sector of the genre is being created through this show which is definitely a possibility what did you not like about the show you know there wasn't um anyone that i feel like people could really relate to or root for yeah because the second you start rooting for somebody you're like oh they're a terrible person too um and so that was and it it almost seemed as though Netflix a lot of times was were making fun of these people um and I'm sure we'll get into this later but like I think the way Netflix went about this documentary is kind of not um not kosher as you would say like yeah. the people didn't really know what was going on and they took their ignorance and some of their stupidity and like used it against them and created this entire narrative without them knowing what was going on yeah, it's interesting because a lot of them have spoken out and like they're what they say they were told about what Netflix was filming or not Netflix, but the production company that yeah, shot yeah. this. Um, what they were told this was going to be and what this ended up being were very, very different. So f- brief synopsis of what it was. It's primarily about Joe Exotic and his his private zoo that he owns and some Mm -hmm. of the inner workings of the other people like doc like carol baskin that um also were or also owners or and jeff lowe that also own large exotic animals whether most of them are are primarily cats right they're all like tigers and lions Mm -hmm. and stuff um and so this kind of chronicles their wilds adventures not only just running their own zoos but like they're kind of fights with each other they're all not necessarily friends of each other but they're familiar with each other and kind of trying to take each other down even though they don't even live near each other which was also kind of weird like carol lives in florida and like joe's like in oklahoma but yet they hate each other's guts that's so true i um never oh my god i sorry my cat speaking of she's like speaking of the devil here hey down buddy Um, no, that's very true. And it is an interesting, just kind of like humanity, um, observation of how all these different kinds of people all over the world, like there's comp, there's Hollywood, you know, you know, people that are in Hollywood, in sports, in all these different ways, politics, but no one's ever thought about, you know, the same kind of aggression and competitiveness of this arena. And so it's kind of fun to see because it's just like, a study on humanity and how people, um, you know, compete with each other and just get really nasty with each other. 
it was wild. Like for, is me, somebody that loves like reality TV, that loves like Real Housewives, Keeping Up with the Kardashians. It like has like a deep appreciation for those shows because they are just so trashy and like it's just wild. Um, I think that's why I would probably give it a nine out of ten. Mm-hmm. Um, I thought you would. Yeah, a nine out of ten. I wouldn't give it a solid ten just because it is like. It's not quality TV. It's not like an impactful documentary. I mean, the argument could be made, and we'll get into it in a bit, about the impact that it made within the animal rights communities Um, Mm because a lot of them are really upset and not happy with the documentary, and they think that, like... I think I'm not happy with the... I thought the first episode, which I understood, like, gives kind of context about who all the different characters are. It was a little slow. And then I wasn't fully jazzed in, like, the last two episodes because I also thought they were just a little odd um, Mm -hmm. with how they kind of shoved everything together and and even the decision to break up this whole wild world into seven different episodes when it didn't really feel like it felt like there was so much more story to be told and a lot of the people that were into in the documentary said that like we really only saw like 10% of the reality and like a very small fraction of what was actually filmed. Yeah. And I, you know, as a viewer, I don't really like to be fooled either, especially if you're telling us this is true crime, this is a documentary. Um, And I really just feel like the documentarians, the producers took a lot of liberties and they basically there's I I love The Bachelor, you know, I watch The Bachelor and they do something with The Bachelor, uh, Bachelor, where they call it Frankenbiting, where the editors will like take something that somebody said during a moment that has nothing to do with the scene that's like, on television Mm -hmm. and they'll just insert something like oh yeah she's a bitch but really it's like they said that I don't know like their mom's a bitch or like completely different and just insert it and I feel like there was a lot of that going on here yeah I agree and it was um and like you and I are in this world and I've taped a ton of shows that like when you sign a contract you are giving them everything you're giving them like every ownership over your your image your likeness there are even clauses in there that say that like we can um edit this however we want whether it makes you look good or whether it makes you look bad like we basically have full control over all of this and you know you can't sue us if this happens to ruin your life in some way because we basically own you and that's basically what these contracts say and I like I know I've signed them I've been unhappy with some of my edits and certain (laughs) things um and I even have gotten to a place now where I negotiate certain things where I'm like, I don't like how this clause is worded. I don't like how this says this. I, you know, make sure my contracts are negotiated in a way that like gives me a little bit of security just mentally. Um, mm-hmm. But basically, and I mean, and when you are coming to people like this that have no experience in this world, they're just going to sign it based off of what they're told straight out the gate. So let's get into what they've each said since the show has actually come out. So we know that Joe is in prison. We'll get to him in a minute, but let's start with his two ex-husbands or his one of his ex-husbands and his current husband. So his first husband died of AIDS. Second husband left him because he was, this is John Finley, left him because he was fucking one of the staff members, ended up getting her pregnant, and then they ran off together because we realized that John and, who was the other one? Uh, Travis. John and Travis, Travis his two... Uh, his two husbands that were his husbands at the same time in that polygamous marriage, John Finley left 
And so he is now doing a bunch of interviews. So he has a new girlfriend and he has some new teeth. Have you seen his new teeth? Yes, I have. And he's kind of hot. He is kind of hot when you get rid of that terrible haircut and you give him some teeth. Now, he's claiming that his teeth are that people thought that his teeth were all missing because of the meth. But he's saying that that's he's saying that that's not necessarily true, that his family has like a genetic disorder where they have teeth issues. And that's why he lost all his teeth. Two plus two equals four. So, I mean, and that was another thing about the show. It's like there's a lot of like, it's just very obvious, like meth, 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 meth. Yeah. And it's not even addressed like that seriously. Well, he was even saying that he was upset that they didn't show his new teeth. Apparently, I guess maybe he like did some interviews or there was some more recent footage where he had teeth. Apparently, he got dentures. And so he recently got new dentures, but he's had dentures. And apparently, there was footage with him that showed that he had teeth, but they only used that one interview of him without a shirt and without any teeth. And he even says that he was influenced to not wear a shirt in that interview. There's more than one interview, though, with him. He's in quite a bit of it, isn't he? He's in quite a bit of it. and But for the most part, I think there's one really predominant interview where he has no shirt on and he's just, like, all mm-hmm. missing his teeth. And I think that's the one that's primarily used. They may have used other sound bites and other little clips, but I think that's the one that was consistently throughout all seven episodes. So he has a new girlfriend. He has some new teeth. Um, but he said that overall, other than certain editing choices, that the documentary was pretty accurate. They just obviously showed a very small fraction of what actually happened. Like he was saying that, like when the arm got bit off, or when the Joe was when the when Joe Low came and took the the zoo from, or when Jeff Low took the zoo from Joe, that there was way more to that story. And he believes that um, that Jeff set up Joe as well. Mm-hmm. So he's yeah. actually I mean, sticking to a lot of what happened in the documentary. Which is very interesting to me. And I feel like if anybody can be like adapted to Hollywood at this point, I yeah. mean, do like give a little bit more of a makeover to him. And I mean, he can be walking the red carpet. He's not bad looking at all. He just looked terrible in that documentary because he had that ugly hair and he had no teeth. Yeah, exactly. I was um, so yeah, happy no, when he got guy. his tattoo covered up too. Yeah, and you know, I know that what this was filmed like three-ish years ago, I think. No, it was, it was filmed over the course of five years, over the past five years. Okay. So yeah, I mean, people change, things can change, and um, I think at the end of the day, he wasn't made to be a bad person. Like, mo- if you're going to find like anybody that has a little humanity in the storytelling here, like is he our hero seriously but like he might be our protagonist here because everyone else is like really bad but i don't even know if he can be a protagonist because he i mean all he really did was leave he left and got out of it smart yeah i mean very smart considering you see people like doc Antle who has all of these women and they the argument about him was that he has like a sex cult with all these girlfriends. Um, But before we get to Doc, let's talk about Dylan. Dylan is Joe Exotic's current husband. So he was the youngest. I want to say they, I also find it so interesting that he goes after guys that are like 19 years old. Because Travis, his Travis, his third husband was 19. And um, John, his second husband was also 19. And Dylan was 19 when he met Dylan. So the last three husbands were all 19 when they met Joe and fell in love yeah. with him. And it's very specific. And I, I can't remember what episode it was or who said it, but 
it was that Joe finds these young men that are hooked on drugs, um, that don't have money and that are super impressionable. So he finds someone that's like barely legal, 19 years old. And he, I, I'm not a Joe exotic like supporter. Like I think he's a predator and he, especially when drugs are involved with things like meth, um, people, they're influenced greatly. And I think that's why you could even see when he went on the first date with this guy, um, what's his, the husband he has now. Dylan. Yeah. He was like hesitant. He was scared. Dylan of going out. Well, so Dylan, so Dylan says that, so how Dylan says they met on Grindr and Mm -hmm. then they apparently had a date at a karaoke bar and that's where he really fell for Joe because that's where he said that he just liked the way Joe treated him, which leads me to believe that there just probably aren't some great guys out in Oklahoma. If Joe exotic is like, you know, top tier prime meat, um, no this, pun intended. Right. But he says that he like really loves Joe. He's still married to Joe. He says he talks to Joe all the time. Um, he hasn't talked to him recently, though, because apparently there was a coronavirus outbreak in the prison that Joe was at. And so he's since been transferred. And so it's interesting to see how he's still kind of standing by Joe. Like, I don't think Joe's a catch at all. Like, I would never fuck Joe. Not even no. on meth. No, it's just, he's, um, I think he's honestly a really terrifying man. I've had it. I had a nightmare about it the other night. Like he's the scariest guy in all of this for me. Why do you think so many people are obsessed with Joe? Cause he's loving the fame that he's gotten. Um, well, I think the people in his life that were attracted to him, like his boyfriends and stuff, it was mostly about drugs and money, but Ignorance. more specifically money. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It, because, I mean, this is, these are people that come from, like, really poor areas yeah. of our country. Yeah. And anyone that – and it's, like, people even said it's not even as though Joe had that much money, but he threw money around yeah. to a point where the people there, like, they just weren't used to that, and they thought it was so cool. Um, why America is obsessed with him right now? Um, because they're making fun of him. Yeah. And he's a joke. Yeah. It's interesting, though, to see somebody like Joe Exotic become a beloved joke, but yet you see somebody like Donald Trump, who is not a beloved joke, but yet still has so many supporters. Like, it's just so interesting who we pick and choose to be the the level of crazy and terrible enough to like, and then the level of crazy and terrible enough to, like, venomously hate. Yeah, it's actually pretty upsetting to me that people are so obsessed with him right now because... You know, I know we'll get into him, whether or not he did what they say he did. Like, he did so many other horrific things. And, I mean, a big thesis of the documentary is the way that he treated people, which is really, really poorly. You see that his husband, Travis, the one who who accidentally uh, killed himself, accidentally committed suicide. There was a moment where they were talking about how he had this whole meltdown, about how Joe doesn't listen to him and Joe doesn't emotionally support him. And you can tell that, like, his husbands were really just props in his life for sex and for adoration I don't think he was ever in it for love he just wanted somebody to like be there as his wingman well I think he was very much trying to start a cult yeah of his own and even if he wasn't aware and if the word cult like didn't resonate with him he's saying love or people working for him whatever like he was trying to start a cult and people were not down with it because it's not 
you know, it's not as though he had a huge mansion. It's like, sure, he had nicer things than everybody else, but I don't think he had enough money to really make people join like a cult like this. No, because you saw that like they were showing all of the um like the the everything that was falling apart in his zoo. Like everything was like they were just putting band-aids and duct tape on everything. Um, okay, let's so there's also Saf and she was the or sorry, he's the trans man who had the, his arm ripped off. He's great. I liked him the best. I actually wasn't. I didn't know he was a trans. I thought he was a trans man when I watched the documentary. But then on Twitter, when I was going through certain tweets, I saw a lot of people refer to him as a her. And um, he was born a female, but has now transitioned into a man. And his original name, Saf, I believe Saf is his birth name. I don't know. Um, but apparently his original name, his original birth name was what was used in the documentary, which producers said they talked to him and wanted to know if he wanted that updated. And he said that he really doesn't care either way, that there's not much of a preference to him. But I just want to like clarify, because I know I did yeah. my synopsis video. And I originally, when I taped the video, I referred to him as a he. I said the guy who got his arm cut off uh, or bitten off. And then I retaped the video and changed what I said to her or she had her arm ripped off because there was so much discrepancy between whether it was a man or whether it was a woman. And so mm-hmm. I just went based off of the birth of um, what was uh, what was her assumed birth or his mm-hmm. assumed birth gender. Um, so that was my clarification in the video because I did I did see him as a man when I watched it, but because of all of the buzz in the media and online referring to him as a woman, that's what made me change it. But he apparently has come out. He's fine with the documentary. He says that there's a lot more that wasn't shown in the documentary. Again, that seems to be the theme that there was just a ton. Again, when you're filming for five years, there's a ton of shit that you're going to mm-hmm. get. But, I mean, Saf also seems pretty happy with how it all went down. So what is interesting to me is, you know, I was watching the episode where um, they were interviewing him, Saf, and saying, why would you come back to work? Like, after... Yeah, five days after. And, I mean, think about where they live. Like, middle of America. Um, People, you know, that are homosexual, trans, like, non-binary. Like, that isn't usually... a yeah, and so it's kind of like joining the circus in a way. Like, this is one place where there's a lot of different kinds of people that are being accepted for who they are, and there's no questions asked. Yeah. So I think that is, like, the subconscious answer that maybe he's not even aware of of why he was so committed. He says it's because of the cat. Like, I just don't – I have a cat. I love my cat to death. I yeah. understand this and whole, I think, you know, did it for the cat. Yeah, I think he loves the cats, but I think he – really like like you said it's that you know the the misfits that feel rejected from society and when you're in middle when you're in Oklahoma like that's not a very welcoming you know they don't have many they don't have West Hollywood's like we have here so I'm sure this the that Joe's zoo felt like a West Hollywood like this is a place where we are you know it doesn't matter who you are Joe's gonna hire you Joe's gonna embrace you and we're all gonna be you know what feels like outcast to society we're all gonna be in this community together and I think you're right he probably really did like that that community that was around him and that's probably why Joe attracted all of these interesting characters Mm -hmm. 
Okay, let's talk about Doc Antle. So Doc Antle in the documentary, so the two biggest accusations about him was that he killed tigers once they got to a certain age when he couldn't, you know, really sell them for as babies anymore as for like photos and stuff. And then the other one was that he had a big sex call and he had all these young girlfriends. So he's done yeah. a couple of interviews. And so he, in response to the whole sex cult thing, he told TMX News that he has girlfriends. He's a single guy that, like, it's not a sex cult. He just happens to have a lot of really young, cute girlfriends. That's, I just don't get it. Because, I mean, is he really rich? I don't, that's the only reason for me that people would get involved in, in situations like this. The thing is, the thing with money is I think people see a lot of money and they think that that equates to wealth. But what they're missing is that a lot of mo- a lot of money all- can also come with a lot of expenses. And when you have a zoo and these big tigers, like that is where most of your money is going. So you can still have a $10 budget even if you're making, you know, five grand a year. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like as long as you're actually looking at what the profit margin is. And I don't think any of these people have a large enough profit ma- margin to be considered wealthy. Yeah. I mean, you know, there's some like parallels to this for sure in Netflix's other true crime docuseries, Making a Murderer, because it is about um, a, a group of people that are economically not wealthy and they're not educated. Um, and it's, and it definitely both of them, like, especially with this storyline to it teeters on the line of like discriminating and making fun of them for yeah. not being educated. Um, and but I mean, it is definitely an interesting look on society because also it's 2020. Like we think that this stuff isn't really going on, you know, that. Yeah, but it is. But it is. And so he even posted on Instagram, which he's now deleted. And he claimed that this was um, sensationalized entertainment and that they paid the participants in the documentary to um say what the things that they said on camera. And so the producers have then, or the directors then uh, spoke out against that. And they said that they paid for photo licensing and life rights, but not for interviews. Now, I think life rights is where we're kind of bordering that blurry line. Because life that, rights... I can't believe that's even a thing. Life rights is technically an appearance fee. We're, bas- mm-hmm. we're basically paying you to appear in this documentary. And in a documentary, interviews are kind of inevitable. Like you're filming, like th- I think he's trying to say that they paid that woman that said that she, she was his girlfriend and it was and accused it of being a sex call. They're justifying paying her, even though most of her appearance in the documentary was her interview and her experience about uh, Doc Antle. I think they're trying to get away with it by saying, well, we didn't pay her to give an interview. We just paid her to participate in the documentary. So they didn't pay her to tell her what to say. They just paid her to be in it and allowed her to say her own story. But as you know, in this world, casting the casting process is heavily vetted. And there are several pre-interviews and there they want to know what you're going to be doing and what you're going to be talking about before they send you a paycheck. Mm-hmm. And I mean, you and I have like been in this industry for a while now. Like we know the ins and outs, but so I actually I used to work in reality TV and I worked on a show called Redneck Island. Um, my, it, and so, and I went to set, I was the assistant to the executive producer and the way that they manipulated these people that had yeah. never, didn't know anything about television, were not educated in the slightest. Like it was 
so easy. I would be in the control room and watch and I would go back to my room and cry because I felt awful because it was so easy for them to do it because Hollywood cameras, the whole glitz and glam of it all, things that people might have dreamed of their whole lives, like they're like clay to these producers. So if they very subtly, you know, push them in a certain way, they'll just fall right into it and give them exactly what they want. Yeah. And like they really play to they really try to make you think that they're on your side and like you really have to be smart and one of the things that they ask you when you're cast on any show is have you ever appeared on television before and they want to know what shows you've appeared on part of it most of it I think is for is because they want to make sure that they're using undiscovered talent Um, And then another part of it is I think they really want to know if you're familiar with the process, because once you're familiar with Mm -hmm. the process, you know that it's very different. It's it's very different than what you expect when you're a newbie and you're new to it. Yeah, exactly. And so what Doc says is that he said that he was not told that the show would focus on Joe or Carol at all. So he didn't I didn't read anything about what he thought it was going to be. But he says that he apparently didn't even know that Joe and Carol were going to be the focus of the documentary series. Now, I hear that argument because Carol said something similar. My thing is like um, I have two two sides of it. I have producer brain and then I have consumer brain. And so my consumer brain is saying that, well, when you are producer brain is saying that well when you um are doing a documentary because i filmed the documentary a few years ago and our our documentary was filmed for four years and so i know that when you do a documentary the storyline changes when it's unscripted and you're really just looking for the story and it kind of builds as you go so there was a good chance that they came to doc they came to joe they came to carol with one intention and are like this is our goal and objective and then as the story developed they learned that it was this bigger shit show that they wanted to then expose through the series i agree but i think it's way too big of a jump i think there's definitely some ethical um issues at play because it's one thing to be telling them you're doing a documentary about tigers and uh conserve what is it? what's the word um like conserving the species or whatever because i think that's what some of them believed versus making it one thing was making a murderer it was about one specific murder the story might have changed as they were producing it but they knew what they were focusing on yeah um so i i think that there's definitely some legal issues at play like whether these people take action or not or like they know can't. the right they, people to they can't they, i told they you because their, they signed away but their it could rights. also be fraud there's a, there's definitely, I that, think, a but fraud. But all of that is written into, trust me, I've read the contracts, all of, like, uh, they basically say, you can't sue us, you're giving us, like, we could, it, the contracts say, we can make you look like a villain, we can hurt your business, we can do whatever we want with this footage, and you sign away all of your rights to it. It's crazy. And that's why you really yeah. have to, like, be mindful, and, like, you have to do your research before you go into any project, any sort of unscripted projects like this. And what's also interesting to say is that, you know, not everybody is obsessed with Hollywood and wants fame and is obsessed with showbiz. A lot of people are, but these people certainly were obsessed with showbiz. I mean, look at what they did for a living. Yeah. 
Um, real quickly, Jeff Lowe uh, says that they touched on about 10% of the story and he wished that they had done things a little differently. He didn't like the portrayal of him stealing the the uh, zoo from Joe. Jeff Lowe didn't like how it made, they made it look like he stole the zoo. And he also is obviously, you know, trying to say that he didn't frame Joe for yeah. trying to kill Carol, which I mean, come on, of course, he's going to deny that. Um, but I mean, he seems pretty fair and okay with it, but, um, I want to get into Joe and Carol cause I feel like that's where the meat of this is going to be. So we'll start with Joe cause I feel like his will be a little easier. So since the documentary has come out, um, or since they wrapped production, he filed a $94 million lawsuit against the federal government for damages, including false imprisonment. Now, I think why a lot of people are defending Joe in a lot of this, not to say that I am because I think he's a terrible person, but I, I love the crazy celebrity of it as a pop culture or as a reality TV junkie. I can appreciate that side of it. But I think what I disliked is that he was set up for trying to commit a murder that he obviously wasn't fully with. I think he was dumb. He was probably like open to certain conversations about it, but I don't think he was seriously trying to kill Carol Baskin because that was the first accusation. And then since he, since they couldn't stick him in prison for longer, for a much longer period, that's when they tackled on all of these animal abuse charges. And I'm not going to lie. I kind of like that kind of law, that kind of thinking that kind of law enforcement just because sometimes the law is tricky and it has let a lot of people go that should not be set free Mm -hmm. so and it sucks um and it totally sucks like there's like more serious situations like child abuse child molestation um domestic violence specifically like men can be set free from that all the time but I think the fact if you can find something else on that person to keep them, like our law, our law system is far from perfect. So I kind of in a darker way, like I like that they yeah. they did that. Because you at the end of the day, you know, he's a bad guy. You know, he deserves to be in prison, whether it was for what he did or what he didn't do. He deserves to be where he's at, even though he was set up for, you know, it was set up for something else. He was set up for something that he didn't do. He still wasn't a great person. And part of him being locked up, I guess, does feel like a justice. You know, it feels like there was some sort of justice done because he wasn't a great person. And so this is one time where the law, you know, didn't work in his advantage, but worked in the advantage of, you know, being justified. Yeah. And my brother is a lawyer and he's at, he's watched this series and I've talked to him about it. And he's always so much like the straight and arrow about things like sure bad guys can get out but they shouldn't stay in for something that they're not like currently being prosecuted for because that's against the law that's you know you know that's not fair but i'm not a lawyer so i'm always like just burn them if they deserve to be burned yeah um so yeah so he's trying to file a lawsuit i don't think false imprisonment or any damages. I don't think he's going to get any of that, to be honest. Cardi B's come out and she says that she wants to free Joe. Um, Dylan Dylan has come out. His current husband has come out, who's now, I want to say, 24, maybe. Um, I want to believe he's 24. And so Dylan came out and did a couple of interviews, and he was even saying... um, So he also said that Joe is a power verse, and that him and Joe would flip 
positions. And but he said that he never did drugs and they never got into any wild kinky sex. Okay. I mean, I hope that's true. I, the drug part, I don't believe. I just don't understand why somebody would stay by this man's side. I really don't. I don't either. Now he's now Dylan's just like a bartender, and he says that he talks to Joe like three times a day. Three times a day. That's crazy. It is crazy. Okay, now um, now the juiciest part of it all, Carol Baskin. Do you believe Carol Baskin killed her husbands, and do you believe she fed him to the tigers? Oh. At first, before I finished the series and I just heard everything about it, um, I totally did. I ate up the Hollywood narrative that they were trying to provide us. Yeah. Um, so the thing me, is, is that... Give me true I don't crime think, junkie. I don't think Carol's that stupid to do that and then to agree to do this documentary. I don't. Well, the thing is, she was told that this wasn't about her husband. She was told that this was about saving big cats and that they told her that this was going to be a platform for her to get her law passed. Sure. But if you have something to hide, like murdering your husband and feeding them to the animals, um, I just, I don't think her husband's alive. I think that. What do you think I is think the theory? Might, I don't know. I think there might be a half truth to this, that she had something to do with his death or disappearance of some sort to collect that money. Um, I don't think he's off in Costa Rica or whatever people are saying. Like, yeah. Living some island life. Um, but I just, I think this is a part where we really need to think that this is Hollywood. These are producers. They're making a story and they're just putting peace and they fit perfectly. I mean, it is a fascinating, fun, sorry. I mean, it is theory yeah. that this woman fed her husband to the, her dead husband to the tigers. Do I think she actually did it? I, I'm leaning towards that she didn't. But would it be fun to believe that she did? Sure. Yeah. I don't believe she actually fed him to a tiger. Um, but I do believe she had something to do with his death and disappearance. I believe she was involved somehow. I believe that she didn't act alone. I believe she knows mm -hmm. what happened for sure. So Jeff yes. Lowe and um, Doc Angel both said that they believed that she had something to do with um, him disappearing. So the story was he was supposed to go to Central America. And she said that he was leaving very, 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 very early in the morning. And so he apparently went off. His car was found at the airport. Um, and then he just he basically disappeared in thin air and was never heard from again, which to me. And they even said that, like, the way his car was driven to the airport, like it looked like a setup, like all of it just looked like I mean, she could have even hired a hitman and like had that done. Um, I definitely believe she's not innocent. I believe mm -hmm. that she's a master marketer. I believe that she's a master manipulator and that she thought she really believed that coming on this show was going to do good for her phil uh, philanthropy because her husband disappeared, what, 23 years ago. So to her, I'm pretty sure she thought mm -hmm. that was going to be way in the back. Um, it wasn't something that was really going to come up again. And I don't think she expected any of this to happen. And I believe she's smart enough to think that even if it did come up, she would find a way to, as she's done, find a way to try to change the narrative and play the battered wife and have her mm -hmm. husband come out and make a video, you know, in support of her as he did. But so now 
So originally it came out saying that they've reopened the investigation. And that's not necessarily true because the sheriff came out and he said, we haven't necessarily reopened the investigation, but a cold, it's a cold case and a cold case is technically always open. But I believe the last time they looked into it was 2011. Yeah. Last thing yeah. they did was back in 2011. So it's been at least, what, nine years? Well, the truth is, is that a lot of cold cases they like to do podcasts on um, yeah. because it, when there's more media attention brought to a specific case, like it's just common, you know, like knowledge, like it just, it gets more attention. And then the uh, police, FBI, whatever, like they have to deal with it because everyone's talking about it. Um, And I also think that she's like a narcissist with like a crazy personality disorder. Um, And she, yeah, like also probably thought she was never, gonna get caught um i mean honestly i think the murder of her husband could have been its own podcast in itself i found his family um very um intriguing to watch and i believe them it could have been the documentary in and of itself i think they might even do a follow-up documentary based off of that because it's been so buzzy yeah but the whole feeding into the tigers thing like i don't really think there's any sufficient evidence that's just like a crazy idea that yeah. somebody said and they go oh that'd be funny yeah, or that'd because, be cool yeah because the body was never found so they're like oh like they just thought it would be funny and sensational and obviously it was enough to make it the whole the narrative of what really happened to her husband um mm-hmm. so apparently they asked her to come in and take a polygraph which she denied and they uh the sheriff also said that the year before they took dna samples from his children in the event that the body was ever recovered it would be all in the database and they would be able to track it that way and i guess nothing they haven't found anything so i guess now that they have the dna sample well but even then if you even if they looked into it now there's going to be no dna there are going to be no traces of the dna if this was 23 years ago the chances of the tiger that actually ate him still being alive like that's not even no. a thing. Like, I don't know what they expect to find or why they're even coming out and talking about it. But I mean, I guess it's because the documentary has been so popular. But still, I don't think they're yeah, actually going to find anything. They're not putting this woman away for this. I don't no. think she's going down. The tiger, a tiger pooped him out a million years ago. Yeah, it's, like, it's not. It's I don't even think like, the tiger's alive anymore. No, but I mean, it could could the body be somewhere like that they could find on her premises or something? Maybe. Yeah, so the the parts that don't add up are that he she didn't see him before he left, according to her. He left really early. She said that he goes to Costa Rica all the time, but like there was no actual evidence of him flying anywhere. The car didn't seem to have had him in it before he died. He had two passports, but neither of them were flagged in any countries or the country that he he, wasn't flagged in the U.S. Like, there were just too many pieces that didn't add up to that original story that are, like, he disappeared in a way that wasn't kosher. And Mm -hmm. I think she definitely knows what happened. Well, yeah, and the amount of money that she received, I mean, that's immediately a red flag. The money that she received, the fact that she, you know, reported him missing or reported him dead exactly when... um, on the exact anniversary of the five years that he had gone missing, the fact that the original will had been replaced with a new will that had the word disappearance in it, which was also very, you know, strange. Like there were just too many pieces that didn't add up that definitely led you to believe that there was foul play. Um, 
in the disappearance of her husband. But so she's also come out against Eric Good and Rebecca, the directors of the documentary and the producers. And so she said that, like we mentioned on earlier, she said that they were supposed to be doing a documentary that was going to help her get her law passed and help put the abuse toward big cats to rest and like do an expose sort of documentary. And so Mm -hmm. she was upset. She said that they really just wanted to create something sensational Eric Good then spoke out to the New York Post and he said that um, he even questioned her motives. He said of all of them that she was probably the most well-intentioned, but he even questioned her motives saying that she has all these big cats, but yet none of them are in their natural habitat. They're all in cages. Um, She uses that. It's basically a zoo. Like Joe had his own zoo. She basically has her own zoo. So there, you know, she's making, she's profiting off of these animals and uh, come on. She has this whole entire volunteer system where none of these people are paid, but you have to be volunteers for like five and 10 years in order to get a certain tier and a certain color t-shirt and all of these people like the interns and everything she's like i've never even met them they have to work their way up the ranks until i've seen them a few times before i even know that's who they a are. cult that is a cult that's what i mean that she's not innocent she's not as innocent as she is claiming to be and that's where eric is coming out and he even says that like she's never even seen tigers in their natural habitat and isn't fully familiar or, or exposed herself to any of that, that he questioned whether or not she was even doing the right thing with her little animal sanctuary by basically saying like, you have a zoo and you're caging these tigers. Like you're not that much better than you claim to be. Yeah. I mean, I always love having this debate. But so I think she's a sociopath and I think Joe is a psychopath. Yeah. <laughs> Like, she thinks um, that she, she kind of turns it on and off, and she thinks that she's right, and that she's doing something good, and then the stuff that she's done that's wrong, which is having something to do with her husband's death, probably, she kind of, like, puts it and compartmentalizes it, and then just, like, moves on, and Joe is just who he is unapologetically, yeah. and he's crazy. She, you can tell that she has every single answer thought out before it comes out of her mouth. She knows the game that she's playing. This is why I think, like, she, the bitch fed her husband to the tiger. She did something to, to poor Don. Like, Don Lewis is, like, she knows where he's at, and she probably has, like, one of his teeth somewhere. Yeah. Or she's, like, you know, Norman Bates right now, and she's like, good night, honey. Bye. Wouldn't that be wild if he's alive and she just has him held captive? <laughs> I don't know. I don't. Oh, God. That would be. That would be really crazy. Um, and I mean, her new husband, I mean, newer husband is just such a sucker. Like, oh, my. He really is. Any closing thoughts about the, about Tiger King? Joe Exotic, um, Travis, John Finley, Dylan, Doc Antle, Jeff Lowe, Saf. Well, I just want to touch on um, Travis for a second. Yes. Uh, oh, my God. I I can't believe that the footage um, of the reaction of the guy seeing him accidentally shoot himself aired that we actually saw that. Yeah. Yeah. Like you see the moment you see the flash and you see his reaction. The fact that they turned that footage over and then the fact that that was used, that was intense. Yeah. And I mean, it was, and I, I honestly, like, I think just a real testament to how much drugs were involved in this story and played down because who would do, you know what I mean? Like who would really do something like that unless you were so high 
and confused. I mean, that's just because it's not like he held the gun and tripped on it and accidentally pulled the bullet, like or pulled the trigger and shot it. He put it up to his head. I think it, it's a, a drunken arrogance. You know, when some people get drunk or high, they just like think that their dick is the biggest in the world. And they're just like, I can do anything and I'll prove to you that this gun isn't going to shoot. Like it's that blind arrogance that they just believe that whatever they're going to do is what's actually going to happen. And then boom, it's done. It's just it's wild. It's it sucks because, you know, he didn't live a good life. You know, he didn't live a happy life. And the scenes, too, like, with his mom talking afterwards um, were very interesting. Like, why did Joe invite her to the wedding with Dylan? Like, that was really confusing to me. Well, Dylan um, says that he's still friends with her. And he likes her very much. Really? Which is interesting. It's, just, it's a Yeah, it's all situation. different stories. But, yeah. Um, overall, you know, I just think that we all need to always take um, everything we're watching, even documentaries reality TV shows with a grain of salt. Um, and But that said, I don't think there's very many innocent people in this story. I just think we're pointing fingers at them for the wrong reasons. Yes. Like, I think if any of, like, if I could give, like, a crown to any of them, it would probably be maybe Saf as, like, a, a, a second-tier crown. But yeah. I think my crown goes to, like, John Finley. He got himself some, some new teeth. He got himself a girlfriend. He's happy in life right now. He got his, Did he have the baby? I don't know if he actually had his baby. Um, I don't know. I mean, for all we know, he, like, abandoned that woman and the baby and is also... Yeah, we, yeah I don't know what happened like, to the last. Like, yeah. <laughs> yeah, he probably was... Imagine he, like, abandoned them and is, like, gone and living his celebrity life yeah. now. He's like, I got new teeth. Bye. Bye. Oh, my God. All right, Sam D, where can people keep up with you and learn more about your pop culture breakdowns, entertainment breakdowns, and true crime breakdowns? Oh, well, thank you so much for having me, Zach. It's always a pleasure. I love yeah. you, and I love your show. Um, you guys can find me, Sam Davidson, at SamD43 on Twitter and Instagram, and I work for a company called MEA Worldwide, where I do in studio and red carpet interviews right now we're doing zoom interviews um, and writing a bunch of articles about tv shows so check us out there love it thank you so much sam davidson i love you love you love you long time um any other shows that you're watching that or that you want to put on people's radar before we close out um where is a kind of fun oh little fires everywhere yes I, I wait that. like for another couple of weeks until it's over. It's only eight episodes, so you can binge it all at once. Love it. Okay, I'm gonna have to add that to my list. Um, you can follow me at Just Plain Zach all over the social media web webosphere. JustPlainZach.com for all other stuff. Don't forget to listen to hashtag no filter. Listen and subscribe to hashtag no filter with Zach Peter every Monday, Wednesday, and now Friday while we're quarantined. I don't know if that's going to last four more weeks or five more weeks or eight more months. Who knows? We're in this and it's a fun time, right, guys? Um, or that's what I'm trying to tell myself. Don't forget to listen. Leave us a good review, five star review, because I love all five of those stars. And again, you can follow me at Just Plain Zach and you can follow the show at No Filter with Zach for the latest show news and really funny memes. All right, guys, I will talk to you next week. Bye.